1: Today's guest is Joe Wall, the national director of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Voices program. New survey data shows that Louisiana small business owners say inflation is hurting their ability to hire and retain workers, forcing them to raise prices on consumers. 88% of respondents say inflationary pressures on their business have worsened since January. To talk about the data, welcome to the podcast, Joe Wall.
0: Thank you, thank you, Rich, for having me.
1: I'm glad we could talk to you this morning. Can you please just give me the lay of the land? What's going on? Tell me about the survey and what are the pressures that these business owners are facing?
0: Sure. Well, this this is actually the 12th survey we've done since the onset of COVID. So we've been you know measuring the 10,000 small businesses community, which includes uh, almost 800 small businesses um, from Louisiana, uh, and in particular, um, you know, a, a good a good population of, of New Orleans small businesses. Um, so, beginning at the, you know the, the very start of COVID, every couple of months or so, we did a national survey to gauge where you know the small businesses were. So we saw, of course, the evolution of the first round of PPP, the second round of PPP, uh, the you know the variants that, of course, have have disrupted the recovery. And I think you know now, as we sit back and look at our data that we released last week, you know it's clear that you know for the most part. And at least in most areas of the country, you know things are starting to get back to normal. And in some areas they are back to normal. right? Uh, but what we see is that putting Covid aside, we have you know inflation, supply chain issues, hiring challenges, and then on top of that energy prices that are really making the recovery all the more difficult for for the small business community. Only about a third of small business owners surveyed say that they have financially recovered from the pandemic. We've been looking at inflation supply chain and hiring challenges, you know, dating back to last fall and with, with every survey we've done since then, the one point of consistency is that thing, you know, the the data just keeps getting incrementally worse. So, you know, you mentioned inflation, 88% of small business owners said it's inflationary pressures have intensified since January of this year on supply chain, 80% say it's gotten worse or the same since January. And then on workforce or hiring challenges, um, you get a very similar read, 88% say it's gotten worse or it's the same. So uh, I think the general sentiment from from a lot of small businesses is they aren't expecting a handout by any means, but they just don't feel like they can catch a break right now um, You know, when it comes to trying to get back up on their feet from the pandemic.
1: Can you give me a couple of just scenarios you know i'm picturing obviously a transportation company anyone in trucking or anything like this which is important to us down here gas prices is a huge factor but just talk me through some up some of you know a, a business and how these various uh, factors are affecting them
0: yeah so when you you know when you think about like you know gas prices you naturally use your example right which is the the natural one that would come into my head as well but you know we we've talked i talked recently with uh you know an interior decorator who you know has about a dozen employees a lot of her employees are hourly waged and are really struggling to financially make it because that incremental increase on on gas prices is is making you know a real difference to their bottom line each week right. and each month and so she's you know gone to the sort of the next um the next level to offer them gas cards um to help kind of offset some of those increases right so we're seeing that just in terms of the the added cost to the employees that, you know, are scraping by to, to get by in a good month and, you know, inflation plus, you know, the geopolitical conflict, obviously, um, and the war in Ukraine um, are, are are causing all the more disruptions.
1: So the data that you've collected, how does that affect your message? Uh, and, and tell me about your lobbying goals or or, or your, your hopes and dreams. Uh, what are you trying to get done up there in DC?
0: Yeah. So, you know, we we released a policy agenda about a month uh, and a half ago in partnership with the Bipartisan Policy Center in Washington. Our view is that, you know, just about every small business, um, you know, policy should be bipartisan and for the most part is bipartisan. So we, we divided our agenda kind of into four big buckets. Access to capital, which is a preeminent issue. Childcare, which is an issue that, you know, I think obviously was a challenge pre-pandemic, but has only become you know, an increasingly difficult challenge for a lot of small businesses and and their employees to access affordable childcare. Procurement reform is something we've been, you know, working on for the last year or so. You know, the federal government is naturally a big source of procurement dollars in general, uh, but particularly for small businesses. And the federal government, you know, has historically, you know, underperformed that a lot of the key metrics associated with small businesses, for example, you know, dating back to 1994, um, the federal government has had a goal of awarding five percent of federal contracts to women-owned small businesses. They have only met that goal twice.
1: Mm.
0: So we are trying to to work um, with you know the federal agencies to ensure that there's more equitable distribution of those contracts. Uh, and then the, the final issue is is workforce, uh, and that that's a big that's obviously a big bucket. But when we think about workforce, we think about obviously, you know, hiring and retaining employees, um, but also the benefit space. You know, I think small business owners, if you talk to most of them, are trying their best to compete on wages with the larger businesses, where I think they really struggle to compete is on the benefit side, where, you know, a large business with their buying power can offer a much better health care plan. They can even offer, you know, a lot of those add-on benefits like backup childcare. So the benefits space, I think, is, um, is an area where there seems to be a lot of interest in Congress in creating more of a level playing field for small businesses. And then I would finally say our, our big overarching goal for, you know, not only this year, but I think realistically we view it as, as probably a two-year goal, just because not much is going to happen this year, probably in Congress with the election approaching. But the Small Business Administration has not been reauthorized by Congress since 2000, so 22 years. Uh, And when, you know, when we say reauthorization in D.C. terms, what that really means is Congress is supposed to look at all of the federal agencies every so often, not every 22 years,
1: right, uh, Right. a few
0: years and say, okay, these programs um, are doing pretty well. We're going to actually increase the funding for those. These programs are not working. Let's eliminate. And gosh, you know, here are a few good ideas that we should try out. And whether they're pilots or they become, you know, full fledged programs Um, you know, is a debate worth having, but that has not been done, you know, in north of 20 years. We joke often, you know, that the iPod, uh, which is hard to believe, right, was not even created at that point. Um, And an iPhone was seven years away from being created. So, so much has changed. And I think, you know, I think everyone would agree that, um, you know, the the federal government's, you know, systems and uh, often the programs they're offering are just, are not necessarily aligned with where small business owners are.
1: I'm familiar with several folks who have gone through the program here in New Orleans, but some of our listeners may not understand. Can you talk about the actual 10, 000, Goldman Sachs 10,000 small businesses program, its history, and its goals?
0: Of course. So we, we launched 10,000 small businesses almost a little over 12 years ago, um, yeah. and we deliver it across the country through community colleges. So in in Louisiana, it's it's run through Delgado Community College, uh, which has been a, a partner of ours for for now over ten years. Um, so there are just almost now eight hundred businesses that have graduated from the program. So what the program is, it's a a business curriculum. A lot of a lot of folks think about it kind of as like a mini MBA. It's a hundred hours in the course uh, in the classroom, I should say. Very intensive coursework. Um, but, you know, we measure all of the graduates for 30 months and within six months at the, you know, at the national level, um, 47% report that they have added jobs and about two thirds have added revenue. The, the cool thing about I think 10,000 small businesses is that the, you know, your business is your own case study, you're not studying McDonald's or Amazon or Nike, like you often do in business school, right. you're studying yourself and your end goal at the end of the curriculum is to come up with a growth plan for yourself. So whether that's opening another store, hiring two more employees, um, potentially thinking about restructuring your business because you want to hand it off to your your children or your family. There's all sorts of examples, but I think you know we've been incredibly proud um, of, of just the sheer number of, of small businesses that obviously have, have come through our program. And I think the coolest anecdote, and we also measure this, we measure everything, yes is that uh, 88% of the small businesses that go through the program end up doing business with at least one other business in the program. So it's also just an incredible community uh, and, and one that is um, just incredibly tight knit.
1: Am I correct that the, that the program is free?
0: 100% free. Yeah, so 100% free. So you have, there's no reason not to do it.
1: I'm glad I've been talking to you because I've had a question for a while now, which is, who pays for it and and why? <laughs> why does this exist?
0: Yeah, so Goldman Sachs and the Goldman Sachs Foundation are the funders of the program. So you know, dating back, you know, to you know the two thousand seven, two thousand even six era, I think Goldman Sachs, which you know had only been a public company at that point for you know seven eight years, was thinking about you know what's the best way we can give back to the community in an impactful way. And I think they came to the realization well before I started here that, you know, small businesses are an incredible investment because what they give to their communities, um, you know, is unlike any other any other um, investment you could possibly make right. in that they are, you know, they're the ones who sponsor the Little League teams. They're the ones who bring in a lot of the teenagers to work part-time and to teach life lessons they're the ones who are kind of the, you know, the social gathering, depending on what type of business it is, but what what they offer their community is so much more than just a business. Uh, and so I think we thought, you know, we had a lot of opportunity and we are, we come with, you know, a natural pedigree of course, on the business side. Um, and so it's something our, our leadership team has been very involved in from the get-go and continues to be. We partnered with Babson college in Massachusetts, which, you know, has a reputation of being the best entrepreneurial school in the united states so they designed our curriculum and uh it is taught you know by the community college faculty across the u.s with babson's oversight um, but i think just about everyone who goes through the program um you know not only gets a pretty good business education but also you know meets a lot of friends for life
1: is there a, is there a marketing component to this i'm just thinking this from a business perspective where you know you've got Thousands of businesses going through this program that become aware of Goldman Sachs and and there are there are potentially services that you guys can provide down the road for these people as they grow? Is that part of the?
0: Well, there's definitely there's there's there's, there's a continuing education component. So we host alumni convenings quite often. We do there's you know the the, the Delgado Community College team, for instance, hosts a lot of not only you know now that we're getting out of COVID, we'll, we'll hopefully get back to in-person convenience, but a lot of like conference calls and webinars and Zoom. So, um, you know, once you graduate from the program, uh, the, the pace of the coursework obviously diminishes, but the, the I think the continuity in terms of the programming uh, is, is something that we try to make sure stays consistent and, and routine in terms of engaging with
1: all the alumni. Right, now, so you're working in DC and dealing with that level. And you know, here we are, we're talking about inflation, supply chain, workforce challenges, all these problems that are adding up to a, a difficult environment for a small business owner, either established or just starting. Are there things that need to happen at the state level or at the local level, or even forget government altogether? What are the kinds of things you'd like to see happen to make this environment uh, improve?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're all obviously super complicated issues,
1: right?
0: <laughs> Not to state the obvious. Um, <laughs> But you know, on inflation, there's not a whole lot anybody can do, right? I mean, it's right. Not, Federal Reserve holds a lot, holds most of the levers there, and it remains to be seen um, if they're going to be successful in preventing a recession. Um, you know, that's obviously an open question for debate. On supply chain issues, you know, I think one of the more um, kind of depressing data points from our surveys, and I and I do think small businesses have a unique perspective in this area. We asked, you know, when do you think supply chain issues are going to start to subside? And only 5% think supply chain issues will begin to subside six months from now. Mm-hmm. So there's not a whole lot of hope that, you know, that, that this is going to get better. I think, you know, small businesses feel like, you know, as, as we, you know, rethink our, our domestic supply chains, because obviously, know the reality is you have you know the ukraine war you have obviously a, a growing complicated relationship with china and so you know the us is obviously just you know from a from a macro perspective rethinking a lot of our supply chains because a lot of them have been tethered particularly to china and so as we sort of re um you know rethink where it's smart to have our supply chains headquartered Obviously, I think small businesses have an incredibly important role when it comes to building resilient domestic supply chains. So this doesn't happen again, um, you know, in the coming years because this is, I think, you know, definitely been a shock to the US system. I mean, anybody who's, whether you're, you know, renovating your house, trying to buy a car, trying to buy furniture, I mean, it is incredibly difficult, you know, to get anything right now. Um, you're you're in for a long wait, unfortunately, whether, um, you know whether you're just trying to get something that would normally take a few days, um, the the back orders are are pretty incredible right now. And then on hiring challenges, you know I think um, the the COVID obviously you know they they call it the Great Resignation, like a, a lot of a lot of folks have left the workforce, um, so that's that's obviously you know a, a very complicated dynamic that we haven't really seen you know in modern times. I think the other issue right that just kind of ultimately needs to be addressed is immigration because there's right now, you know, an incredible shortage of workers. So that just seems like, you know, a, a natural place where uh we could alleviate a significant chunk of uh, of our problems, but obviously from a political perspective that uh that, that proves to be complicated every time that someone
1: tries to do it. Right. Speaking of difficult political subjects, uh, I'll just <laughs> since you brought it up, uh I, there was news here in Louisiana where the several attempts to raise the minimum wage uh, hit a brick wall last week at the legislature. Um, You know, you're in a delicate position because you're, you're representing small business owners who already have supply chain problems, and energy cost problems and and labor shortage problems. So probably the last thing they want to talk about is is, is paying more for their workers. But what is the 10,000 small businesses perspective on minimum wage and fair wage uh, issues?
0: well I think you know you know overwhelmingly small businesses um, you know they are they, they think about their employees as if they're they're their family right so they want to you know pay them as, as generously as they would a family member and I think that's the necessity right now if they want to keep them I mean we we surveyed um, the survey released last week showed that two-thirds have raised wages you know just to kind of keep up with inflation uh, and then you know the, the counterbalance to that of course is you know 60 percent say they've had to raise, the price of of goods and services to offset those wage increases. So, you know, I think the reality is at least right now in most communities, the the average hourly pay, I think just because of inflation, right, is now itching way above kind of the, the traditional, what we would think of as the minimum wage.
1: Right.
0: Uh, I mean, like the, you know, the number that always kind of gets thrown around is like 15, $17, you know, an hour is kind of the, the new minimum wage, not necessarily everywhere, but I would say that's kind of the number that comes to my mind when people talk about the minimum wage. The reality is I think most people are offering well above that right now. And even so can't find people to interview.
1: Right. right. I mean, we've had
0: businesses that have had you know openings for months and finally resorted to hiring you know, a formal staffing agency, even so they still can't find people. Right. Um, it's just incredibly difficult right now. So I think the wages obviously from a worker perspective, very good time to be in the labor force uh, because you have a lot of bargaining power uh, not only when it comes to wages but also benefits which obviously is all positive i think what a lot of small businesses i mentioned before you know it's they, they just feel like they're kind of getting squeezed from every end and it's just you know it, it's tough to make um it's just kind of tough to make the numbers add up right now
1: right well thinking about the data thinking about your report and my last question for you is as you as you uh, you're talking to a louisiana or new orleans small business owner and we know things are difficult right now for a variety of reasons, but what, what's something that makes you optimistic as you as you're looking ahead, what's the light at the end of the tunnel?
0: Well, I think, you know, what's remarkable about the small business community, and they've, they've shown this, you know, over the last two plus years is that, you know, despite consistent headwinds and unpredictable forces, they, they're just like the most strong and resilient crop uh, in the United States, right? They just don't, They won't quit. And so while this is an incredibly difficult time and unforeseen, I mean, it's a pandemic kind of followed by, you know, um, incredibly turbulent economic conditions. But even so, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic because, you know, the data shows that putting aside existing small businesses, the number of small businesses being created is incredibly high right now. So there's, I think there's a ton of reason to be optimistic. It's just, um, you know, it could be a challenging stretch ahead for, for the next few months. But, you know, we remain hopeful, of course, that things get better as we head in the next year.
1: Well, right. You make a good point. I mean, so there's a supply chain problem, but the, but the reality is people are waiting for the, the products to buy because they need the products to do, finish the job, whether it's a renovation or whether it's a, a chip for a vehicle. I mean, so there's demand out there. And uh,
0: Which yeah, there's huge consumer demand. I mean, the Wall Street Journal has had an article suggesting there might be today. It's a front page article about it. You know, titled "Is There Inflation Fatigue Right Now?" Meaning, in some sectors, you are starting to see consumer demand starting to subside. However, in others, it's not. Um, right. So, um, I think it remains to be seen. But at least right now, I think I think the numbers suggest people are are still buying.
1: Right. Well, Joe Wall up there in Washington, D.C., uh, thanks for advocating for small business owners back here in New Orleans and all across the country. Appreciate you taking the time to talk about this new survey data.
0: Thank you, Reg. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz new Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.